0: relationships big time. I make this statement sometimes. I think God has very few friends because most people don't seem as a friend. They seem as a, a servant or, or yeah. some emergency thing. But yes. I think God wants to be our friend. You're no longer, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. He said in John 15:15. 15, 15. So, don't you love that song? That, that is so good. That That is... God has been so good. We can all say that. Uh, This just came out recently. Uh, The Lord gave me a dream to change the name of it. It's about acknowledging God. All from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say with all your brain, but with all your heart. And do not lean to your brain. Do not lean to your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And then He will direct your paths. So this is all about it's called Joy he gave me a dream, told me to change the name to Joyful Expectations. Well, yay. How acknowledging God changes everything. Have you ever given a gift to somebody and you don't get any acknowledgement? You ever sent a graduation gift or something? Mm -hmm. People don't acknowledge God enough. And if I tell you if you've got a notebook full of blank paper, just start writing down every time God answers a prayer, your notebook will be full in a very short amount of time. So I just wanna thank you for that wonderful introduction. And I just feel privileged to be your friend. In fact, it's 96, you said? It was, that was way right back. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of surprise coming to you in the next several months, like. Kind of like in the spring i just see it all of a sudden i'm not trying to be spiritual that was weird yeah i believe god loves to talk to us and uh the uh this scripture i'm going to just i think just about prayer tonight relationship but uh this is this this reminds me of michael billings uh Acts chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. What a character this guy was, he's devout, he fears God, he gives generously, And he prays to God all the time. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, I love this. When Cornelius observed him, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? The Lord said, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Can you imagine that? God's saying, you've got so many prayers up here. You've got so much giving up here. I'm going to have to have a garage sale just to get rid of some of this. I can't. I'm stumbling over it. That's what we do when we're faithful. And there's so much to be said for this man because God used him to open the door to the Gentiles. We all know that experience. He said, your prayers and your alms have come up. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter, He's lodging with Simon and Tanner who's house by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And we we all know the story, but it is so amazing how that consistent and persistent prayer paid off. I believe in my 100 years in ministry that um, hunger is the key. I was meditating today about people that We had these great miracles in scripture. For example, Matthew 15, the woman with the demon possessed daughter. That'd be hard on the furniture, I think. And uh, anyway, she was not a Jew. She was a Syrophoenician Greek woman that said, my daughter's demon possessed. And she wouldn't take no for an answer. I remember we had a dog years ago. We bought it at the one of the pet stores in the mall and brought, I took it to the veterinarian and he says, whatever you do, don't give this dog human food. Yeah. He's a very good doctor. He's the same one I use. And, um, <laughs> but he, uh, that dog through the years, we didn't allow him to eat, but he, he had this attitude, anything that falls on the floor is mine. And he hoped we were sloppy eaters. This woman was so desperate that she wanted her daughter free. So desperately that she, Jesus refused to answer. He didn't answer her at first. And then finally he said, well, it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. And she answered, yes, Lord, but even the little puppies eat the crumbs. And more or less Jesus said, you know, I wasn't going to help you, but you got me on that one. In other words, she was ahead of her time. She was, he was just there to minister to the Jews, but she pressed in so hard that she got deliverance. He said, Go your way. Great is your faith. Your, da- your daughter's healed, and so forth. And then I think about the 10 lepers. One came back. He was not a Jew, he was a Samaritan who were very much outcasts. And then the centurion in Luke 7 said, I'm a man under authority. I speak a word, and this happens. He was not a Jew. And so many things happened. And I was in England years ago at York Cathedral, and York Cathedral is uh, where we get New York. York, England is where we get New York. York Cathedral, we were given a tour of this beautiful cathedral, and the, there's pictures on the walls, everything, that in 1985, the new Anglican bishop had been ordained, and when he, he was standing there, and when he, when he did his inaugural address he mocked the virgin birth It was about two in the afternoon and one in the morning this guy is is The sky opens up there was not a cloud in the sky but a bowl of lightning hit right where he had been standing And did a five million pounds of damage to the cathedral the newspapers came out and said Sounds like your God's trying to talk to you. The Christians thought it was just a coincidence. Sometimes we get so numb, we get so used to God, we forget. And so we need to realize, of course, that uh, God needs to be acknowledged. Somebody said years ago, religion without love is the meanest thing on earth. I believe that. Um, the, I came up one, i just make this brief, and I came up one night having a dream or something from the Lord, but it was, it was all about working on myself. <laughs> like, you know, work on yourself. So I just was meditating all day. And the first one, examine yourself. From 2 Corinthians 13, I think I've got six of these, real brief. Examine yourself. 2 Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not, do you know, not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? So sometimes we have to just look at ourselves and say, am I standing in faith? Am I fervent? During the COVID thing, I got so appalled by the amount of people that gave in to fear. Just, just yielded to fear, panic, and, and so forth. So sometimes we have to just examine. I'm speaking to myself, but just, you know, it's so easy to uh, drift away, as it says in Hebrews chapter 1 or 2. He said some drift away. Sometimes you can just kind of drift away from your friendship with the Lord. Yes. Second thing, humble yourself. Therefore, humble yourselves, this is 1 Peter 5, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I'll say it boldly. God intends to exalt every one of us. But he's not going to exalt our ego. He's going to exalt his purpose in us. Uh, an older gentleman, dead to me one day, he was in his 80s, and he said, uh, well, the devil can't do much with humility. I thought that's the most profound statement I ever heard because the devil can do a lot with pride but he can't do much with humility. Number three, discipline yourself. Paul said, but I discipline my body, bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. I don't know, but I think the greatest deception out there is when we lie to ourselves about everything, you know. Um, What does the Bible say? Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving the pastor and his entire staff no deceiving who deceiving yourself i don't want to be disqualified not, number four correct yourself first corinthians 11 for if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged but when we are judged we are chastened by the lord that we may not be condemned with the world sometimes you can correct some behaviors just take a look at yourself and say you know i've got to correct this uh, through a lot of research, I've learned that it's better to correct yourself than to have God do it. <laughs> God will do it in front of everybody. You know. uh, number five, build yourself. But you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude chapter one. For we are responsible to keep our own battery charged. You've heard me say this before, but. I think anyone that owns a cell phone, I don't know if anybody does here, but, but you, you notice they don't charge themselves. And I've never had ATT come to my door and say, we're here to charge your phone. So God gives you his Holy Spirit, but you've got to do the charging. If you don't, it'll go dead. Your inner man will go dead. Your inner man will stop listening. Your inner man will get insensitive. Number six, stir yourself. Therefore I remind you, Second Timothy 1, to, re, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So make a daily practice to stir up the Holy Spirit. I've learned lately and everything God seems to be saying to me the last year is just to work on your relationship with God. And one thing to do is just to pray in the spirit more, because so many times we don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about some of the liars in our political system. I don't know what to do, but I can. I can certainly pray in the spirit. I like this statement. This I think it's Mark Batterson said that the whole, having the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than anyone else. It makes you a better you. Wow. And now. In Acts chapter 6, I want to read this real quickly. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business of waiting tables. You all know the story. The saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, laid hands on them. The word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great signs among the people. Now we use the term, you know, like, you know, well, I'm filled with the Spirit. But notice about Stephen. It says that uh, they... they uh, we were not able to resist the wisdom by what they spoke. They stirred up the people, the scribes against him. Said he speaks blasphemous words. So if you look at verse three, it said Stephen was full of a good reputation. Verse two, or number two in verse three, he, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. In verse three, Stephen was full of wisdom. In verse 4, he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. In verse verse 8, he was full of faith and power. In verse 10, he was full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. In verse 15, it says that he was full of um, glory. It said, all who sat in the council looked steadfastly in him and saw his face at the face of an angel. In verse number nine, or Acts 17, said he was full of truth. If you read chapter seven, it takes you about seven, eight, nine minutes to read his sermon but he was full of the word. He preached the entire gospel in those seven minutes from beginning to end. Yeah. Powerful sermon. So he was full of the word. And then at the end of that sermon, he, he did this, which I'm thinking of doing tonight. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you have now become betrayers and murderers. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. I wonder what that sound like. But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And so he was full of sight. Then they cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling out on God. And and he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. And he said, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. The last thing Stephen was, was full of forgiveness. So you think, well, I'm filled with the Spirit. I saw a thing on Facebook the other day, somebody said, before you go around calling yourself a prophet or an apostle, consider some of them were cut in half. (laughs) You know, everybody thinks this is an ego thing. Well, I'm an apostle. You you don't have the key to the parking deck, you know. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah, but look at this again. Stephen was, number one, he was full of good reputation. Number two, he was full of the spirit. Number three, he was full of wisdom. Number four, he was full of faith. Number five, he was full of power. Number six, he was full of the spirit. Number seven, he was full of glory. Number eight, he was full of the word. Number nine, he was full of truth. Number 10, he was full of boldness. Number 11, he was full of fearlessness. Number 12, he was full of sight. Number 13, he was full of surrender. Number 14, he was full of forgiveness. Wow. So we can flip them and say, oh yeah, I'm filled with the Spirit. No, the God wants to do more. You know, he wants to, and I'm, I'm so guilty of everything, but it, it is so cool, by the way, this woman called her husband. And she said, uh, he's at work, she said, you remember when I became pregnant that you told everybody we have a baby? And he said, yeah. She, and then she said, you remember when I, uh, the baby came and you told everybody we have a baby? Yeah. She said, well, we just wrecked the car. (laughs) A hundred years ago, the average person had horses and only the rich had cars. Now, average people have cars and only the rich have horses. Are you ready for this? So the stables have turned Uh, the, I told you when I was here, I think it was June and this, how this pastor was healed of a blind eye, totally blind eye. And God did a creative miracle. He'd been blind for three years and God healed him during the meeting. The second night, the first night he didn't respond and his 12 year old daughter got so mad. She said, dad, that word was for you. And, uh, so anyway, the next night he said, I'm not gonna miss it. So there was a word, somebody here has had surgery. He said, my eyeball had been removed six times and they can't get it to work. My eye will not work. So that night we all prayed for a long time, at least 30 or 40 seconds. And uh, his eye, his sight came back instantly. And he, uh, he, he had a, from, it, a weed eater head had come off and hit him in the eye and that's where he went blind for three years. But anyway, his wife standing there, she said he had a huge scar down by his eye. The scar has gone. Wow. Powerful, powerful thing. And um, I was in a meeting one night in Rapid City to a bunch of cowboys and there's 300 cowboys out there. I was the only one without a cowboy hat because I look like a nerd in a cowboy hat. But anyway, there's a word that came there's a man here. Your wife's name is Sharon. And she needs prayer and you need to come up here. Now, it's all men. Nobody responded. So I repeated the whole thing. There's a man here. Your wife's name is Sharon. No one responded. After the meeting, guy comes up to me and he's kind of sheepy. She said, well, he said, yeah, I was sitting way back there. And he said, <clears throat> my, my wife's name is Sharon and i said what's wrong with her he said she has such excruciating pain and he was a young man he said she's in such excruciating pain and i said why didn't you say something why didn't you raise your hand why didn't you he said i don't know i'm i'm just pretty full of myself and i thought well yeah i could agree with that but it's amazing cuz i call a lot of times god does silver platter things he hands you something on a silver platter and it's so clear, and it's so of God, but so many times we dismiss it. Think about it, the Bible is full of abortions. Think about, you, you know, when angel Gabriel came to Zacharias and said, you know, or to came, came to, uh, um, you know, Zacharias said, "Fear not, you and your wife are gonna have a son. And so, He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's not going to drink wine or wine coolers. And he's going, to, he's going to be, you know, this wonderful vessel, this instrument of God. And at the end of it, Zacharias said, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years." This is all from Luke chapter one. <laughs> well, I mean, no, first of all, when you're giving God information, you're in trouble. Uh, and so, it's like Peter, Jesus said, let down the nets for a catch. Well, we've been out here all night. I could just see Jesus saying, I am sorry, I didn't realize you guys have been fishing. <laughs> but, but, but this thing sitting on our shoulders is called an abortionist. This thing here will abort the Holy Spirit. And the Bible's full of abortions. Remember when the King, the, uh, King Joas, was, Elisha's dying, he's on his deathbed and he said, strike the ground. And the, the King Joash struck the ground three times and stopped. He said, why did you stop? You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have had complete victory. Because you only struck it three times. You're going to only have three victories. So, so there's so many times we're guilty of just playing it too cool, you know. And so anyway, the, the, the wisdom God gives if we obey is amazing and how God will break through against everything else. You know, the angel said to Zacharias, because you've answered this way, because you've questioned this, I am going to shut your mouth and you're not going to be able to say one word until this baby's born. You know what that says to me? If we don't yield up our brain, we'll lose our voice. I want to be a voice for God. In October, the last part of October, I'm in this church and in Chicago. I'm going there the, next week. This pastor came in that his, he's, I haven't seen him for years. His name is Michael Pimple. He and his wife came in, and I didn't know this, but during the worship, I just heard the Holy Spirit. I don't claim to be anything, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to heal arthritis tonight. So when I got up and I just exhorted a little bit like I'm doing right now. This pastor raises his hand. He said, I have had the most horrible arthritis in my hands. He's only 54 years old. He, he cannot, his, his hand, he showed me pictures of his hands before, but they had like big golf balls in it. And he, he said, the doctor shook my hand or he touched my hand. And he said, it brought me to my knees. The pain is so severe. He said, Steve, I can't, I can't live with this pain. Uh, he's a pianist. He can't play the piano anymore. He, he's in this meeting. I never touched him. He's sitting out there and he says, I'm healed. All the swelling is gone. He, his, he, I have pictures on my phone of his, his hands before, but he, his hands are 100% healed. No one prayed for him. But I, I just think it's so cool that God wants to do more. But it all comes as a result of listening. To the Holy Spirit, having a mindset to follow him. And, you you know, I think the biggest tragedy anytime is to go to church and leave the way you came. Here's another abortion. Naaman the Syrian. He's he's full of leprosy. He's a four star general. He's a he's a big shot, but he has leprosy. So in Israel, there's this little girl waiting on him. She said, man, if you were over in Israel, you could get healed of this. So we all know he wrote a letter to the king of Israel and said, I'm coming to get healed. And the king of Israel wrote back and says, we don't heal people. We kill them, but we don't heal them. And, uh, he's, and the prophet Elijah heard about it and he said, send him to my house. So Naaman the Syrian with an entourage pulled up in front of Elisha's, the Elijah Elijah's house. And he said, Elijah. Elisha. Elijah. Elisha. Yeah. Pulls up in front of Elisha's house. Can you just see him? He's full of leprosy. He's got an entourage, you know, probably like a secret service with him, and he's out there. And the prophet doesn't come out. But he sends a messenger out with a squeaky voice. And he says, here's the word of the Lord. Go down to the river Jordan and dip seven times and you'll have brand new skin. You'll be healed of your leprosy. So what has happened? Does he rejoice? He said, boy, this is easier than I thought. What does he do? He's in a rage. He's angry. Why? Because he ran across his brain and his brain said, I thought... The man of God was going to come out and wave his hand over the place and say, make my day or something like that. And instead, he tells me to go down to this dirty Jordan. And I've got rivers at home that have stained glass windows that are nicer than here. And and he he was going away in a rage. But thank God, some anti-abortionists were with him. And they said, if he had told you to do something, something great, you would have done it. He's telling you to do something so simple. So they talked him out of the abortion. And on the seventh dip, he was healed and he had brand new skin. I think God wants to do more. The yeah. devil's mad. I just touched my hand. And good grief. Anyway, um, if you have a Kleenex, oh, thank you. Here we go. Thank you. I don't know. Every time I get in the spirit, weird things happen. You know, the, the, <laughs> that, that is about as weird as anything I've heard. But anyway. Um, so God always, I, I believe God always wants us to say, I want more. I want more. I don't want to just say I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to say I've, the Lord has done a major work yeah, in me. Lord. Hallelujah. 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 So this guy healed of this arthritis was just, just like the most, amazing I think the most amazing miracle I've ever seen because people don't get healed the doctor said I'm sorry but you're gonna have to live with this the rest of your life he already can't play the piano he he's great on the keyboard he said it's just the pain is so severe I can't do it so anyway he's healed totally you know wouldn't it be weird if you went to a doctor and got examined and he, check, he does all these tests on you. And then he gets done and he scribbles on a piece of paper. This is what you need. Here's your prescription. And we take the paper. Of course, you can't read it. Nobody could. But wouldn't it be stupid to walk out of the doctor's office and throw it in the wastebasket? Yeah. Yeah. You went to all that trouble of having him examine you. Tell you what's wrong. And then you just throw it in the wastebasket. I think when we get in God's presence. God writes out these things. And he said this is what you need. This is what you need. This is what you need. And a lot of times we walk away and we forget. The very thing the Holy Spirit told us. And I am guilty. It's amazing how short our memory is. Because there's times. I'll get a word from God and the middle of the night and then a week later I have forgotten all about it and I think it must be offensive to God because we we don't acknowledge this book I've written this is my 14th book I think but I've never had so many compliments on a book in my life just because I think it's it's practical and it's what we need to do we need to stop what we're doing and acknowledge God hallelujah my wife and I look at the sky, and Lord, you did a good job. That's a beautiful cloud up there, you know. And just when God answers prayer, acknowledge him. And when you don't know what to do, which is many times, Lord, we don't know what to do. We're clueless, but we acknowledge you. And then sometimes within a minute or two, wisdom will just come and we know the answers from the Lord. So anyway, um, wow. I love the concept that God orders our steps. My, uh, I love the way God ordered your steps together. I, my, my sister lives in Phoenix or to Sierra Vista, uh, Arizona. 19 years ago, her husband had a stroke. <clears throat> and she, for 19 years, has waited on him hand and foot. And she's, she's a nurse, but she's had to minister to him every day for hours for 19 years. He passed away. And God has put the most wonderful man in her life. And, and she's in her 70s, but I believe she's going to live to be 105 just because God's paying her back. Sometimes we just go through, Jim. You'd have to know my sister, but she lived in Anchorage, Alaska on Old Harbor Road and lived there for years. Her husband, Jack, was in the Air Force. And he would be out of town sometimes for two or three weeks at a time. (laughs) And so she would go over to uh, Bob Hanson next door and say, Bob, My husband, Jack, is going to be out of town for the next couple weeks, and I'd like you just to keep an eye on the place. I'll be here alone, so just keep an eye on the place. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, he's real quiet. So this went on several times when when her husband's out of town. She said, you know, keep an eye on the place. I'm here by myself. So one day she comes home and his hand, I think it's Dave Hanson, Dave Hanson's driveway is full of cop cars. She reads in the next day in the newspaper that Dave Hansen is a serial killer. And he's murdered 17 women. And my sister's over there saying, hey, listen, my husband's out of town. You know, you you talk about God's protection. But anyway, they made a movie out of it called Frozen Ground starring Nicolas Cage. It's, It's we saw the movie. It's great. But. She'd been in this Dave Hansen's basement and he had all kinds of taxidermied animals and she'd been down there and looked at him and they were on the movie, the, the Hollywood movie. Here's all these animals and stuff. So it was quite a quite a story. But you talk about God's protection. But I thought about, yeah, the frozen ground, the frozen ground, I think it is. But but it's really, it's really worth watching. But I but, Oh, thank you. Thank you. To take back everything I've said about you because that's uh, good grief. Would you put this on there? It's just, I don't know what, I've never had, it. I mean, it's just weird. It's just weird. Why would my hands start bleeding? Yeah, there you got it. Thank you. Thank you. I believe God, you know, the Bible says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Most of us seek God, but not diligently, including me. We, we get comfortable. We get distracted. We get self-absorbed. We get, we, and yet, there's this wonderful God we serve. He said, if you'll pursue me, if you'll pursue me, I'll run you down. And I'll do things in your life. We, in other words, we settle for too little. We do. we do. We really do. And I believe God wants to manifest himself more Um, could you look up Exodus 60 or 46 verse 9 for me in there Ezekiel 46 verse 9 I just want to read this because I had it in my notes but uh, I just think it is so cool this scripture just kind of opened my eyes 46 9 yeah It says that uh, when the people of the land shall come before the Lord in the solemn feasts, he that enters in by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. And he shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. So it's a real neat instruction. If you came in by the north gate, you've got to go out by the south gate and vice versa. And I believe one little meaning of this would be when you come into church, you're not supposed to leave the way you came. You're not supposed to leave still in your bondage. You're supposed to leave. You know, I I like the, the loaves and fish because they didn't just had a miracle. They got carry out. And I believe, I, I believe we're to get carry out. In other words, I want something. But I keep having that picture of, you know, you go to the doctor and he's done all these exams and you just, you just throw that thing there. We don't follow through. I believe all of us, I believe the command of the body of Christ is we're to, we're to spend more time with him and then act on what he says because it's so easy to dismiss it, it's so easy to dismiss it, hallelujah. God's gonna keep you guys in good health and strength. Lord, I thank you for Dennis and Vicky. I thank you, Lord, for the future. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're enlarging their territory, you're enlarging their borders. And what I hear the Holy Spirit saying, he's gonna cause the fruitfulness to really, really increase. And there's a desire in your heart that's getting ready to be granted. Oh my, do I see that. There, there's just a, a real desire there that being ready to be fulfilled. And I, I feel such a witness of this, to be pounding the doors of heaven, to say, God, let this happen. Let this happen in Jesus' name. Let bring forth, because I I feel in in both of you that God's going to give a desire of the heart in the near future, just a desire of the heart and whatever it is, so praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, I feel that, but I just feel that. I I think this is for me and it's for everybody, but we just get too at ease. We just kind of relax and just kind of like business as usual. I don't. I don't believe that's an option with God, you know. Uh, I've always wanted to meet Andrew Womack, and that was just a desire of my heart. So, so, in July, we. This guy asked me if I would be willing to speak at this Gospel Fellowship in Dallas, and he says. He says, well. Just so you know, one of the other speakers is Andrew Womack. <laughs> I said, how in the world did you get him? Well, he owed me a favor. And so we went there, and it was just a glorious encounter. We had not only listened to him preach, and then I had to preach in front of him, which was wow. weird. thought. <laughs> but he loved it and came up afterwards. And, but anyway, it was just a heart's desire, and we went to eat with him. Several times and just had a real good fellowship. But I was just so impressed with his. The guy preaches, but then he goes back home and he reads the Bible five or six hours a day. You know what's weird about him? And I'm so far away that he said, he said as far as I know, I've never said a cuss word. He said, I, he said, I've never had a cup of coffee. He says, he uses the scripture, if you drink any deadly thing, it won't harm you. Uh, that's... <laughs> And he said, "I'm not bragging about." It. He said, "I'm just a Pharisee. i was a Pharisee, and if you want to out Pharisee me, good luck, because I'm, there's no better Pharisee than me." He said, "I've never had alcohol." Uh, keeps naming all these things up, but he just, it was just ridiculous. It was, uh, but anyway, it was—I think God gives us desires of our heart, you know, just to—to. To, I just felt that about you guys. Just the desire of your heart—you desire, God will fulfill it. Hallelujah. Okay, let's do this real quickly. Um, wow. Do we have like, we, it's 10 to 8, we have 10 minutes? We got all the time we need. We got all the time we need. We're, we we need. Okay. We're here for this. <laughs> okay. Because yes, yes. I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I feel such a passion that we settle for too less. <laughs> you know, the Bible says... <clears throat> Without a vision, the people perish. And that's a word that means to unravel or to settle. You just settle and you lose your plate, You lose your sight. You lose your vision. And you just exist. You go through the motions. And believe me, <clears throat> the devil's more deceiving than we think because he loves to lull us into a oh, yeah. thing like that. So, sometimes... <clears throat> I don't know if it was Einstein or one of my other relatives that, that said uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results is insanity. But we're all guilty of it, especially me. But we need to just plug into God and say, okay, I'm going to do something that I haven't done before. I'm going to do something different.